just gone over. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. <coughs> I want to remind all the men that are signed up. If you're not, you can probably still get up with Bob and sign up. Uh, 8 a.m. Saturday morning for a men's breakfast. There's no cost. Uh, there'll be several folks in the kitchen cooking, and we'll eat together and have, have a time of prayer and have a short devotion from someone. And then uh, Saturday the 11th is the widow's lunch at noon. So remember that. And thank you very much. Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. So we looked at the, uh, to recap here, the ground of consecration. Uh, the Christian life is a, a life that we should grow in discipleship. Discipleship requires a dedication. It takes a denying of self and a taking up the cross and following the Lord. It means dedication and consecration. But it is the normal thing for those of us who have been saved to seek to grow and follow the Lord. And uh, we may run into some difficulties and hardships by doing that as the early church and early disciples did. Now, the ground of consecration, our new position in Christ, requires and provides for new duties corresponding to it. That we take up the, the lantern and we carry the light to be a witness for Christ and that we share what's happened in us with other people so they might know uh, if they are saved and may have questions. Uh, we are the recipients of the mercies of God that we looked at in the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, uh, like salvation and justification, sanctification, glorification, that the believer who serves the Lord will be given glory, honor, peace, and uh, to those who do good, that we are identified with Christ publicly by baptism and yield our life to serve him and please him. And all of this is a part of the mercies of God that we have seen previously. Now, we, uh, we must and can live the true Christian life, and it's putting these into application into our daily life that helps us do that. Um, we can tap into the grace of God to live the true life, to show thanks to God for all that he's done for us, to show that our life is real, that Christianity is real. And um, we want to be a good testimony for the Lord so that we are not in any way a detriment to people about Christ and about the Bible. Secondly, the character of consecration is voluntary. We present our bodies a living sacrifice. Um, in Romans 6.13, we saw that word present is translated yield, same Greek word. 
And it was seen in the temple gifts and offerings and sacrifices where the believer brings his offering to present it to God. And that sacrifice that's presented represents the believer. The sacrifice is a substitute for the believer. And that's what Christ did. He substituted himself for us. He died our death and our punishment, took our sins, and now we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice unto God. It is complete. It is our body. We present our whole body to God. Um, your whole being, your heart, mind, and will, your body, soul, and spirit, we withhold nothing from the Lord. If we totally present ourselves to God, that he might use all of us. It is sacrificial, but it is a living sacrifice. It is to be holy, acceptable unto God. The Jewish sacrifices consisted of two types or classes. First, those associated with reconciliation, the peace offering and the sin offering. Then those, and I made a mistake there, I wrote reconciliation again. That's supposed to say consecration right there. Those associated with consecration, which were the burnt offering and the meal offerings. And it's the second group that symbolizes the believer presenting himself through the substitute. Leviticus 1 is where the Jewish people presented their offering to the Lord, and it was a symbol of themselves. They had come from Passover, experiencing the propitiation of God, then they were there to offer themselves, and we do the same. We're saved, so now we can offer ourselves as a sacrifice to the Lord to live for him, yield unto him for his service. We want to do what's holy, acceptable, and well-pleasing in the sight of God. We are devoted to God with our lives, and that's another mistake. It should say uh, the divine purpose of God can be revealed in us, not diving purpose of God. Um, sometimes when I'm typing these up, spell check doesn't, you know, show up that a word is wrong. And sometimes somebody comes into the office and needs to talk to me. And then I go back to typing again and I've lost my train of thought or something, you know, so there's plenty of excuses, but I just didn't print one copy and read over it real clearly to check it. I just printed 38 copies when I printed it, you know. So then it was too late to change the mistakes. The righteous believer voluntarily offering himself holy can feel God saying, Well done, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Same way he did with his son, Jesus. We are his sons and God can be well pleased in us when we are holy and acceptable unto him. <clears throat> it is practical. My service and your service are willful dedication because of all that God has done for us based on the mercies of God. We see some scriptures here that we can look up certain things. In Luke 1, that's Zechariah's prophecy of John the Baptist and what he would be in dedication and service to God and how he would turn many to the Lord, and he did do exactly that. <clears throat> it is rational. It's your reasonable service. This word means logical as the outcome or position as believers in Christ. We profess as believers that God has done for us, and so we should 
the appropriate thing should be that we serve him. On the back page, the demand of consecration. In verse number two, the negative side, we're not to be conformed to this world. This world is evil, the Bible says in Galatians 1.4. Christ died to deliver us from this present evil world. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, uh, the spirit of this age is Satan, the god of this present world. And he blinds men's minds lest they come to the light of the gospel and are saved. So the demand of consecration is that we are not conformed to this world. We're not shaped and patterned after this world. Gratifying self rather than pleasing God and doing his will is, is not what he would have for us. We must be aware of the world's influence upon us and separate ourselves in heart and spirit from the sinful things and the sinful people and the ways they live. The positive thing we are to do is be transformed away from this world by the renewing of our minds. By studying the scriptures, our intellectual and moral thought life can be influenced by the word of God and by the spirit of God, and we will result in good works for God. <clears throat> the unsaved mind rejects God, Romans one twenty eight. The uh, Romans eleven thirty three through thirty four teaches we can tap into the mind of God, which is able to help us, and we inwardly can discern what is good and true. If we sin, it injures our rational thinking. It darkens the mind so that we can begin to live by our desires rather than the will of God. That's a struggle we face, just like just a struggle with sin. Struggle with our desire, our desire to please self or our desire to please God. The two can't be compatible. As we seek purification, that's supposed to be a capital G, God can and does reveal his will to the discerning heart. Purification makes the intellect seat of moral judgment true and exact in judging spiritual and moral questions. So we can become experienced to read and study the Bible and know what is right and wrong and have discernment to determine if something is a positive thing for us to live for God or is it something negative that's going to draw us away from the Lord. Only the regenerate who can discern what is pleasing and acceptable to God. The unsaved people don't know that. They don't know how to please God. They don't know what is discernible as we do. We grow in maturity. We develop the ability to know deeper, as John wrote, that we may know and describes in John's writing in 1 John, he describes, um, look over there in 1 John 2 and verse 12 through 14. 1 John 2, verse 12 through 14. 1 John 2, 12, I write unto you little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. 
So he's writing in that three seasons of our lives as children, as young people, and as fathers. And that's the maturity level that we go through in our growth rate with the Lord. We're like a young child when we first get saved, and then we grow up in that teen years of beginning to know more and do more, and then we begin to grow into maturity where we can be a teacher to others and share with them the truths of God's Word. So we look at this effect, the will of God done, practical outcome of a consecrated believer. God deliver us from the, the mundane, look, lukewarm type of Christianity where people go to church on Sunday morning and that's the only thing they have to do with God. They don't read their Bible day by day. They're not a witness and a testimony. They don't have time for any other service for God. And God deliver us from that and rather have a spirit-empowered life where we live for the Lord day in and day out. We're never going to be perfect, but we can live for God daily. The will of God enjoyed. As a church family, we should enjoy the journey of Christianity that we're on. Moses and Israel had a long trek to get from Egypt to the promised land and get into the land of promise and divide up the inheritance. And God intended for them to enjoy the journey, but it seemed like they struggled at every point. They murmured and complained. They were hungry. They were thirsty. They were, God fed them with manna from heaven, angels' food, the Bible says. And they complained about it. They got tired of it in a little while. They were tired of this light bread, they called it. They wanted some meat, and God sent the quail among them. God brought chastening as a result of their complaining and murmuring against him. And we should have an enjoyment in our daily life. It shouldn't be we have to think, oh, I can't do that because I'm a Christian. I can't do this because I'm a Christian. That shouldn't be our attitude. Our attitude should be, thank God I'm saved. And if I died today, I know I will go to heaven. And my household is saved. And we go to church and we can live for the Lord. And we sing praise to God and give thanks to God who loved us and gave himself for us. Enjoy the journey. Our acceptance of God's will in daily life, let us seek the very best that God can give us as glad service to God, cheerful service. Christ is in us, working through us, accomplishing what is pleasing and acceptable to God. That brings a, a satisfaction of joy to us. Turn over in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles 29. I hope when you've got time you'll go back and read all of this. If you hadn't read it this year in your Bible reading already, 1 Chronicles 29, look at verse 10. This is David and Solomon preparing to build the temple, and David prepared all the materials and gave all these monies and everything, and he's asking the people to give. In 29 of 1 Chronicles verse 10, Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as both 
as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Now David questioned, who am I that my people and I should so offer so offer so much willingly unto you for the building of this house, the temple. And he asked the people for a willing offering. In verse 9, the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great glory. We see this uh, entire chapter deals with them receiving the offerings for the building of the temple and how God moved on the hearts of the people to willingly give and consecrate themselves to the service of the Lord. And it's important that we do what we do in service for God with a willing heart and present ourselves in the same way. Now back to Romans if you can. We've got a couple of minutes. We looked at the application, verse 5 through 9 here, of uh, the church body and the gifts that God has gifted the church. Verse 9, he said, Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Now God has given the emphasis of the service of the church by the Christians within. The outcome of holy living is the transformation of our lives. It indicates the change that's affected by the inward renewal we have by knowing the Lord and by studying his word and having our mind renewed by the word, the transformation that takes place. We can be controlled by the Spirit of God. And that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit, which is a, an imperative or a command in Ephesians 5, 18. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And to be filled with the Spirit simply means to be controlled by the Spirit. And we labor to be accepted of Him, he said in 2 Corinthians 5, 9. God calls us to be humble in our service for Him that we might accomplish what we do because of the gifts of God. We, we didn't invent our abilities and gifts and spiritual things. God did. And none of us has them all. We have one or we have more than one and what we are given to use to serve him and please him. But um, we do not have all ability. And so we should be very thankful for what God gives us. Uh, pride in abilities and gifts is rejected by God. Satan was proud and wanted to be worshipped like God, and that's why he failed, and God rejects our human pride. Brotherly love, one for another, expresses itself in the church as brethren. We are like brothers and sisters through Christ. We're taught to love one another. We're taught to let brotherly love continue. I want to read one passage in 1 Peter verse uh, chapter 1, 
James, Peter, John, 1 uh, Peter 1, 22. Seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. And in chapter 3, verse 8, he said, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. In 1 John 4, beginning with verse 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We're to rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep, and we are to uh, become all things to all men that we might by all means save some. So God put us together as a family. All of you who have families, you know, families uh, bicker, squabble, jockey for position, and uh, like to have the attention. I, I've heard girls say, Daddy loves me more than you. <laughs> Don't laugh, Becca. They'll know I'm talking about you. <laughs> you know, and... God says, love each other and love me in return because I love you and I've shown it by giving my son to die for you. Let's serve the Lord with cheerful hearts and enjoy the journey and love one another. Father, bless your people tonight. Help them with their needs. So many are sick, Lord. We pray for healing and for help. We pray that you would, uh, by your grace, uh, Put a fog of health over our people and strengthen the congregation. We pray, Lord, that you'd give safety as we travel, make provision for any who have need, we ask. And, Father, we send our love to you in Jesus' name. Amen.